Um, let's, let's say a quick prayer as we get into our sermon. Heavenly Father, we turn now to your word. We ask that your word would dwell richly in our hearts and our minds, that you would speak to us through your word, that you would lead us into new ways of, of living that bring us closer to you, and that help us to be faithful to your calling in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. We're in a short little message series on healthy hearts, healthy minds, healthy spirits, um, as we seek to be strong individuals and strong believers in Jesus Christ. Um, You can turn in your Bible to Deuteronomy chapter 5. We'll get to that scripture in just a little bit. I want to share a quick story. Um, It was one of my kids' favorite stories a few years ago. I haven't told it in a while. But it was um, when I was a teenager, I had um, my very first car was a a Toyota Corolla, like 1975, 1976. Uh, Had a super custom AM radio in it. And um, when I got it, my dad said it has a has a 260 AC. You know what that means? It means it was air-conditioned as your two windows were rolled down and you were going 60 miles an hour. I uh, had another uh, kind of custom component to it, and that was the fuel filter. It was one that like, got clogged a lot, and, um, and so it would just quit running um, periodically as we were driving down the road, or as I was driving down the road. And fortunately, the engine was very simple to work on, and so I always kept a spare fuel filter. And whenever it just died on the road, I would open up the hood and get out the new fuel filter and replace the old one. Um, and I remember one time driving. Here's the, the story that my kids just love so much. I was driving one day. I was in Brookwood. I, I lived there as a teenager and was driving down one of the streets in Brookwood, and the, the car died. And I said, no problem, I'll just replace the fuel filter, popped out the old fuel filter, put in the new one, tried to start the car, wouldn't start. Um, oh, no, what's, what's going on? This was like life before cell phones, so I couldn't even call Dad to come to the rescue. I had to walk home, um, you know, my little half-mile walk from when my car broke down. Dad came out to the car and tried to start it, didn't, didn't work, and then he kind of looked around a little bit and said, oh, I think I know what your problem is. You ran out of gas. Luke, do you remember that story? It's been a while. He's like, I don't know that story. Um, but they, you did, and, and Kate and Susan loved that story, maybe because they thought it was just really funny that their dad ran out of gas on the, on the side of the road. Um, and, and because there's a little gas meter, you know, come on, Dad, pay attention to your little gas meter. Um, We've got lots of indicators like that in life, the little fuel gauge gauges to let us know when we are um, running low on fuel. It's interesting that our bodies don't really have that easy-to-read indicator, though. And, and we need those indicators to let us know when our bodies are running low on fuel, when we are low on energy. And God knows this, and he says, I want you to do something so that you don't run out of energy, so that you don't get drained in life and just get stuck and broken down. So let's read 
Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 12 through 15. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your town, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Now, for us today, thinking about the Sabbath, uh, we can kind of get confused behind God's purpose for it. For one thing, um, if your work is your work week is kind of a standard work week, you have only five days of of work, and then you have two days off. And you might be thinking, "Well, I don't. What's the big deal about the Sabbath day? Because I got two days um, off." And we also live in a world where all that we do is highly compartmentalized, which was different than the ancient Israelites um, and what life was like for them. For them, their work and the rest of their life were intimately tied together. For example, um, they they were an agrarian society. They would raise crops. They would grow crops. But they... The reason they grew crops wasn't necessarily to turn them into cash, right? Which is what people would do today. The reason they grew their crops was to stay alive so that they'd eat their crops. They'd pick them out of their fields and prepare it and eat it to stay alive. Um, We get so compartmentalized with our work. We think, oh, we've got five days. We do our work. We got two days to do whatever we want to do, but we don't realize that all of the other stuff that we do is work. And it can be draining on our bodies and our minds and in our hearts. God says, I want you to take one day. And for those of us with that standard work week, we have two days in a weekend. God says, take one day, one day, and just Rest from all of your work, not just your work to earn money, but all of your housework and and students, your schoolwork, right? Um, All of the work that you have to do, just rest from it. You don't have an indicator like a fuel gauge on your car to let you know when you're running out of gas and fuel and energy. Take one day to rest. So what I want to do is I want to look at three reasons Um, why we need to rest. And the first reason is this. Rest gives us emotional, physical, and time margins. There's a book on margins um, by Dr. Richard Swenson. He writes about life without margins and what that looks like. And he says, life without margins is being 30 minutes late to the doctor's office because you were 20 minutes late getting out of the bank, because you were 10 minutes late dropping the kids off at school, because the car ran out of gas uh, two blocks from the gas station, and you forgot your wallet. 
That's life without margins. Does that does anyone want to maybe confess to have a, a morning or a day remotely close to that? Yeah. Richard Swenson defines margin as the space between your load and your limit. Your load and your limit. Another way of putting that is margin is a space between all you have to do and all that you can handle. And all you have to do, that's, that's the work for income. That's the work as a student. That's work around the house. That's all your relationships with every one of your contacts, all of your family, everything on your desk, your work desk, your home desk. And there is a max of what we can handle. And when all we can handle is less than all we have to do, then there's an issue. And something gets dropped, or someone gets dropped. Increasingly, we are in a hurried, stressed society. It's interesting, in the, in the early 1900s, because of techno- technological advancements that were, um, that were making work in, in the office and in the factory more efficient, uh, there were leading economists of the day that were predicting um, when two-day work weeks would become commonplace, that the five-day work week would become a two-day work week because of all the efficiencies uh, that people were uh, having at, at the office. Uh, one of the world's leading economists said in the 1930s, he said this, when we reach the point when the world produces all the goods that it needs in two days, as it inevitably will, we must turn our attention to the great problems of what to do with all our leisure. Wouldn't that be an amazing problem to have? What are we going to do with all this leisure time? See, we've never gotten to that point, right, where we're thinking, wow, what do we do with all this leisure time of ours? Rest builds in emotional and physical margins as well as these time margins that we need. Um, one of the interesting things about this fourth commandment is the length of it. Uh, we read this section from Deuteronomy, this telling of the Ten Commandments. And if you look at the other commandments, this by far is the longest one in there in terms of number of words describing it. Um, look at verse 14. On it you shall do, you shall not do any work, neither you very detailed, nor your son or your daughter, nor your male or your female servant, not even people, but your ox, your donkey, your animals, they shouldn't be doing work, nor any foreigner residing in your town, so that your male and female servants may rest, and that your animals may rest as you do. Why does God give that very detailed instruction about who and what must rest. Well, God wants the Israelites to know that your animals need it too. They they need rest. Their physical bodies will break down just like yours without rest. So rest gives us time margins, but also gives us physical margins. Our bodies need rest. When the space between our load and our limit becomes paper thin, uh, there will be a breaking point, and sometimes our bodies will give us forced rest because they break down. But also, rest gives us emotional margins. 
God commands the whole household to rest, right? Not just an individual Jewish person, but the whole household. And not just family members in the household, but servants in the household as well. So that people can, yes, rest their bodies, but also rest emotionally and have time for building relationships. I remember some time ago uh, tuning into kind of a regular podcast I was listening to, a pastor out in, in California, and would listen to sermons on occasion one time, just listen to the, the weekly podcast. And the senior pastor um, was announcing on the podcast where he, um, and he'd served this church for 15 years. He announced, I'm stepping down from my, my church, my, my position. And he said, in order to save my marriage. Um, he didn't go into the issues on the, on the podcast. He just says, I'm stepping down so I can save my marriage. And, and we know that that's, his story is not alone. Um, it's not the sole story of that, that happening. Someone having to make a radical step, take a radical step to, uh, to save a family. And rest gives us emotional margins so that we can maintain um, and build our very important relationships. So rest gives us the margins in life that we need. The second reason we need rest is um, rest is your test on your trust in God. Rest is your test. How much do you really trust God? Um, junior hires, why don't you go ahead and you can be dismissed for your junior high Bible study on rest and the Sabbath. When God led the Israelites out of slavery and into the wilderness, uh, one of the issues was food, food supply. And God provided for them daily amounts of food, manna, this bread life stuff from heaven, and a little bit of quail. But daily, God would be providing for them. Um, the manna that they received it still needed to be cooked, apparently. You still need to bake it or boil it, however you want to prepare it. But it, it required work um, to do that. You had to gather wood. You had to make a fire. You had to or wait for the, the coals to form so that you could start boiling or baking. Um, you know, McDonald's wasn't around back then. It was just hard work preparing meals. And God told them on the Sabbath, I don't want you to do any gathering. I don't want you to do any cooking. Um, don't, don't look for the manna because it's not going to be there. I'm going to give you just enough the day before to last and on the Sabbath day. And cook. Spend that time the day before cooking uh, so that on the Sabbath day you can rest. I want you to rest on the Sabbath. That's what God said. But despite God telling the people this, look at what happened. This is in Exodus chapter 16. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather at the manna, but they found none. God just tells them, don't gather on the seventh day. You're not going to find any there. And what are the people doing? They're looking for manna on the seventh day. God, we're ready for it. Why did they do that? I suppose, to some degree, 
It was because of the same reason that we keep our schedules so busy. See, even though we want simplicity in life, many of us think back, ah, I wish we could get back to simpler times. Um, Even though we want that simple life, we just keep doing what we are doing because we're a little worried of what will happen if we don't keep up with our current pace. It's been said that people keep their business like a badge of honor, or they wear their business like a badge of honor. If someone asks you, how are you doing? Oh, man, pretty busy. Keeping busy these days. It's like a badge of honor. Like, like we're doing what we need to do to, to hold everything together in life. We're doing a good job of that. But it's interesting that God doesn't say to the Israelites, yeah, you guys... Uh, you know, you're out here in the wilderness. Life's tough. I want you to work as hard as you can, but don't worry. You know, if it all doesn't get done, I will, I'll cover the gap. I'll, I'll help. That's not what God says. God says, God doesn't say, work your hardest, work yourself to the bone. And listen, I'll, I'll, I'll cover things if it, if it gets out of control. I'll, I'll cover the gap. That's not what God says. God says, I don't want you to get it all done. I want you to have one day where you're not getting it done. And you'll see that my power, my provision will be plenty for you. Our rest, therefore, is leaving room for God to come in to our life and act in our life and guide our life and show us. When he says, I don't want you to get it all done, Rest, that he means it, and he will take care of us. And some of us, and some of you, I know, need to rest your minds right now and know that God is going to take care of you. It's dangerous when we think that our power is the primary thing that holds our life together. Deuteronomy 8 says that, God gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known. Why? To humble and to test you, so that in the end it might go well with you. Now you may say to yourself, my power and my strength, the strength of my hands, have produced this wealth for me. You may say that. God says, I want to test you here. I want you to rest. Do you really think that all you have to rely on is yourself for your future, God asks? No, 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 no. You can trust me. Why? Because the very next verse says, Remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to to do what? To produce wealth. And so God confirms his covenant which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. So by resting one day a week, we are living out our faith that every good thing in our life comes from God, even the ability to produce wealth. That's not even, oh, it's not from the power of our hands. That's from God's power, the ability for us to produce wealth. That comes from God. Our work comes from God. Our income from our work comes from God. So I thought of the statement here. 
we cannot create for ourselves more good than the good that God is going to give us. We cannot create for ourselves more good than the good that God is already going to give us and has given to us. We receive all of our goodness from God. When we try to create for ourselves more good than the good that God is going to give us, it won't be good. There will be a breakdown. God says, I will provide all the goodness you need. And this will happen with you taking a day for rest. So our rest is our test that we really trust God. And then third reason why we need to rest is this. Rest reminds us we are more than producers. We are more than producers. Without rest, we struggle with knowing what it really means to be a human being. It's so easy to make our life all about producing and what we produce. Look at verse 15. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Why does God ask the Israelites to remember to when they were slaves in Egypt? I want you to think about what life was like for the Israelites when they were slaves. I mean, it was constant work, right? No break, no day off. Sundown, sun up to sundown, they were working. They were producing for the Egyptians. Year after year, they were taught that they were a commodity. Their sole purpose was to be producers what God was asking them to remember. Remember that. Because God was going to be leading the Israelites into a new way of life. It was going to be radically different because he was going to free them from their slavery in Egypt. So they went from where rest was completely unheard of to where the possibilities were a little more open, right? Were they going to keep working, being producers? And get this, now that they were free, now they could actually enjoy the fruits of their labors, right? They would experience the rewards of their production. They would get to recognize, ooh, the more that we work, the more that we will produce, the more that we will be rewarded from our production. Would they continue in this mindset that they had for years? We're just producers. We're just, we're just here to make stuff. Or would they have balance in their life and realize that they are more than just producers and rest? God says, I'm going to show you that you're more than just producers. And the way I'm going to show you that is I want you to rest. I do not want you to build your life around being a producer. So we need to rest to remind ourselves that we are first and foremost not producers. We're so used to, oh, got my job, need to produce, I need to produce income. I, I need to earn a paycheck. But being a human being is so much more than that, isn't it? We are made for more. And that's what Jesus shows us. We're made for more. You see, we don't have the same problem that the Israelites did where we weren't slaves in Egypt. And they had to have this mental mind shift from producers to Wow, we're free people. 
and we can enjoy what we produce, but not be identified solely by what we produce. We were not slaves in Egypt, but we were slaves to sin. And Jesus frees us from our our sins. Jesus brings us true rest, in other words. Look at this from Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or what you regard to a religious festival, or with, I'm sorry, or with regard to a religious festival. Do not let anyone judge you with regard to a new moon celebration, or what? Or a Sabbath day. Do not let anyone judge you with regard to what you do on the Sabbath day, is what be, is, is being said. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. So the rest that the Israelites to receive on the Sabbath day, it was just a shadow of the real rest to come. That is in Christ. I want you to notice something. This scripture says that we do not live with Sabbath prohibitions that were placed on the Israelites. Now, Sunday practices have been evolving over the decades, haven't they? I mean, you probably can think back to the day when something was different on Sunday. Either more shops were closed or all shops were closed or uh, there weren't sports on Sunday mornings. Um, uh, small group this past week, uh, Jan Verkike shared about when he was growing up, there were some families that said no TV on Sundays. And some families did say, yeah, we can watch TV on Sundays. I mean, you could think back to some time when the Sab- Sabbath day Sunday practice was different. And sometimes we can form judgments on that. Oh, people shouldn't do this, right? Oh, they shouldn't do this. Oh, they shouldn't be working. It should be like Chick-fil-A. No work on Sundays or no TV on Sundays or whatever. You know, we could always come up with some judgments of what people should be doing better on Sundays. This scripture says, do not let anyone judge you with regard to what you do on a Sabbath day. But... Does that mean that the Sabbath day, Sunday, it's just a free-for-all? Just kind of, well, you make it up? Is that what it means? Do whatever you want? Not really. Not really. You see, there's this true rest that is promised to us, and it's in Jesus Christ. And if you want that real rest, you know, the rest from a nap, it's just a shadow of this real rest that's promised in Jesus Christ. And if you want that real rest... We find it as we live out our relationship with Christ. And if you're not prioritizing your relationship with Christ by spending time with him, by reading the scriptures, by worshiping in worship service, by prayer, if you're not prioritizing your relationship with Jesus Christ, you are missing out on real rest. And God says, I'm just making time in your schedule for you to do that. Don't see every hour or every day as an opportunity to stay busy, God says. It's not this legalistic command, oh, you must do this, not do this. It's God inviting you to real rest, the rest that we have in Jesus. And that comes through our relationship with Christ.
Do you want to grow in that rest? Do you want to grow in your walk with Christ? Here's what Rick Warren says, like this quote. He says, for many people, the barrier to spiritual growth is not lack of commitment, but overcommitment to the wrong things. Do you need to create more margin in your life so that your life with Christ isn't edged out? And when you consider your work week or your weekend time and how you're spending it, is there anything that the Holy Spirit is saying to you? That's what I want you to think about as we close in prayer. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you in regard to that energy meter in your life, in regard to priorities of time? Are you making room for your relationship with Christ? Because that is where real rest is found. And people do not struggle finding good things to be committed to. There's plenty of good things to be committed to. But we can become overcommitted to the wrong things if we are not putting our number one commitment in our walk with Jesus Christ. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that we would hear your, your word, hear this one of the Ten Commandments, not as this legalistic rule to follow, but rather this life-giving practice of making time so that we can walk with you and focus on you and listen to you, so that we can trust you as well. And we know, Lord, the, the value of getting things done. And we know that you are a faithful God. You covenant with us, your people, and you say, I will take care of you. Help us to rest in your provision for our life so that we can make space, margins, time to spend with you. Hear us as we pray, Lord. Speak to our hearts and help us to obey in faith. In Christ's name we pray, amen.